We're in a series called Don't Let Your Past Rob Your Future. This is part two today. It's really simple, really, really simple. But sometimes the things that make life good are really simple. They're not really complicated. So let me do a little review. Matthew 23, verse 27, just in case you weren't here. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs that look beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Jesus was talking about memorializing the past. The Pharisees were real good at it. They would paint tombs and manicure tombs, trying to keep something dead alive. And religion always tries to do that. So I want to continue talking about how your negative past can hinder your incredible future. It'll help you if you'll listen with your ear. People often keep things alive that should die. People empower the past, making it unfortunately a factor in their future. Some of you have done the very same thing. Your past is not as powerful on its own. You've actually made it powerful. Your past doesn't have the right or the potential to negatively impact your life as it has unless you give it permission. Don't give it permission by constantly bringing it up constantly memorializing it, you empower your past. It's always in your mind. It's always in your thoughts. You're always dwelling on it. You're always talking about it. Remember, we looked at Isaiah 43, verse 18, and the prophet says, would you please forget the past things? Don't dwell there. Verse 19, behold, I'm doing a new thing. If you don't let go of the past, God can't bring you into a new future. Uh, this is a simple illustration, but we were talking to somebody, a professional, the other day, and uh, one of their children is very highly paid, but has to work almost 80 hours for this company uh, and have no life of their own. A absolutely loves the job, loves the pay, but it is sucking all the life out of the person so they don't have a life. It's just a job. And finally, in frustration, they said, I'm going to do what I've been wanting to do for over a year. I'm just going to quit, and I'm going to trust God. It's scary. It's risky, but I'm going to do it. And they pulled the trigger on it, uh, moved out, uh, changed locations, and didn't know what to expect. And son of a gun, if the phone didn't ring, and an executive with that, a different corporation said, we like you and like your work, and offered them an incredible position with higher profile, with their own life being given back to them. And I've often wondered what would have happened if they had just stayed in what they hated. Although well-paid, they still hated it and didn't fit well and didn't have a life as though God put you there. See, the, the new thing didn't come until they let go of the old thing. Some of you afraid to let go of some old alcoholic husband who's an abuser and beats you and wrecks your whole life, and you're afraid to let go. So you'll, you'll say, I'm going to leave. This is the last time. Not going to beat me up anymore. And about the eighth time, you get murdered. That's what statistics say. If you can't let that thing go, God can't bring you into the new thing. So some of you are just one big hard decision that's courageous 
from God breaking into your life with a new thing. But he's not going to do it until you do what he said. Let go of that past. Let go of that painful memory. Let go of that person. Let go of that offense. Let go of your own sin and mistake. Don't dwell on it. Until you get your mind off the old, until you get your thoughts off of it, God can't bring the new thing into your life. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 10. Again, we're reviewing. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? I, I don't want to go back to any old days. I looked at my high school annual the other day, and I thought to myself, and I dated you? And I thought you were hot? I must have been messed up. I, I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus, that didn't work out. How about some of you? You got… Yeah, I, I just, I mean, the te, you know, we didn't have much going back then in the, in the mid-50s. And I think about all the technology today, I love it. I absolutely love it. You can walk around with a piece of electronics, and you've got Netflix, and you've got, you can talk to somebody in another world, another nation. You can just do anything. We couldn't do that. In my, what would I want to go back to that for? It wasn't, it was better. No, it wasn't better. And God just says, don't say the old days were better than these. Why did things have to change? Don't say why were the old days better than these because it is not wise to ask such questions. That's from God. Now, if you're a Bible believer, a follower of Jesus, and you believe God's Word, that ought to settle it right now. I ought to be able to close my Bible and we head out to lunch together at your house. You should be saying, I'm not asking that question anymore. I'm not going to relive my past anymore. I won't ask, why did, I, why did they move away? Why they were the best friends I ever had? Why did I have to have cancer? Why did I have to have this happen? Why did I have to have that divorce? Why did I have to have this person leave me or betray me? Why, why, why? Don't do that, God says. It is not wise. God's got new people for you, new opportunity for you, a great future for you, and you're hindering it because you won't let go of this old thing. So he says, don't dwell on the past. Don't ask, why were the old days so good? It's not wise. So the past can be on my mind and your mind more than it should be. Also, the past can control your present actions. I read a story from the Associated Press about how our fears and our ideas can actually dominate our lives. This is from the Associated Press. Linda Burnett, age 23, was visiting her in-laws. While there, she went to the supermarket to pick up some groceries. Several people noticed her sitting in a hot car with the windows rolled up and her eyes closed with both hands behind the back of her head. One customer who had been at the store a while became concerned after an hour and walked over to the car. He noticed Linda's eyes were now open, but she looked very strange. He asked her through the window if she was okay. Linda replied she had been shot in the back of the head and had been holding her brains in for over an hour. The man immediately called paramedics who broke into the car, but Linda refused to remove her hands from behind her head. When they finally got her hands loose, they discovered she had a wad of bread dough on the back of her head. It turned out that in the heat, the Pillsbury biscuit canister had exploded and had hit her in the back of the head, and it sounded like a gunshot. The wad of dough made her think she had been shot, and when she felt the dough, she thought it was her brains. And that's the way the human imagination works. A loud noise, immediately there's a conclusion, I've been shot. 
And we often create stuff fabricated in our mind that's not true. It's not that way. But we make it that way by the way we think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We create the mountains in our minds, the adversity in our thoughts, and honestly, we make it worse than it really is. Folks, let me tell you, today's a great day. It's a wonderful day to be alive. It's a great day to be in church. It's a great day to serve God. In fact, I love this old classic song by the great immortal Louis Armstrong. I see trees of green, rivers too. I see them bloom. Here we go. I say to myself, sing the last verse. What a wonderful world. I love Louis Armstrong. What a classic guy he was. Got that deep, raspy, I see trees in the sea. I love that old voice. He was unique. You know, he, he was uniquely, originally him. Jimmy Durante had the long schnoz, and he didn't get plastic surgery. That was his hook. And he used that to make himself unique. You're unique. Did you know our friend Keith Kraft up in Dallas has a little book out, Your Divine Fingerprint. But your, your DNA, there's 1% of you not like anybody else in the whole world. And that's what makes you different from everybody else. Don't you let religion, don't you let culture, don't you let race, don't you let nationality, don't you let people clone you because Jesus doesn't do that. He transforms you. He doesn't conform you to be like everybody else. You're unique. Enjoy that. And I've gotten in trouble for that a lot, but I love it. And I wouldn't trade it for the world, living a prisoner to somebody else's opinion of what I ought to be or what I should. Now, I'm not talking about doing anything evil, but I'm talking about don't let people say, well, you need to be this, you need to do it this way, and you did. Who told you that? That's what makes you so boring. I don't want to be like you. You know? Okay. Here's what the Bible says. This is just to confirm Louis Armstrong is a great theologian. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So square your shoulders, put your head back up, quit sucking the Maalox bottle, the pacifier, and feeling sorry for yourself, and rejoice. You're alive, you're breathing, you still got a shot at this, and if you're still breathing, God isn't finished with you yet. There's a lot more to live for. Wake up and live. Come on, wake up and live and do a little rejoicing. So don't empower the past by allowing it to control your present or your future. Another great illustration, Colonel Sanders, founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken, got in his car before anybody knew who he was. He wandered around America with a recipe in his wallet, seeing if anybody would buy his chicken recipe. And judging from this crowd, some of you have enjoyed his chicken. <laughs> Over a thousand people said no. And I've often wondered what kind of a man can listen to a thousand no's and still believe there's a yes out there. Still believe there's a job or believe there's a man or a woman for you out there, no matter what you've been through or what you've been told. There's a yes out there. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. I love that. God's not a God of no. 
He's a God of yes. Harlan Sanders became known as Colonel Sanders. By the way, I met this guy and sat next to him on a flight in Atlanta, Georgia on a rainy night many, many years ago, and he got on the plane, yes, in the white suit and the platinum cane and the white hair, and he had hot chocolate. That's what, that's what I remembered. But he had much he could have been discouraged about. His father died when he was five years old. He quit school at 16. By 17, he had lost four jobs. He was married at 18, a father before he was 19. When he was 20, his wife left him and took their baby daughter with her. Between the ages of 18 and 22, he failed as a railroad conductor, washed out of the army, flopped as a farmer, was rejected from law school, bombed as an insurance salesman. He figured, however, he was a pretty good cook, so he got a job as a cook and a dishwasher in a small cafe. Eventually, he convinced his wife to return home, and together they worked in that cafe, cooking and washing dishes, until he retired at age 65. On his first day of retirement, he went to the post office and picked up his first Social Security check for $105. He didn't want the government to take care of him, and he contemplated suicide. He decided to write his last will and testament, but instead found himself, for the first time in his life, writing down what he should be and what he should do with his remaining years. He decided he wasn't through yet. And boy, I'd like that to fall on some of you. You're not finished yet, all right? There was something he could do. Nobody else could do as well. He knew how to cook. So he went to the bank in his hometown. He borrowed $87 against his next Social Security check. With the $87, he bought some boxes and some chicken. He went home and fried the chicken in a special recipe he had developed through a pressure cooker, and he did it in a little cafe. He started selling his chicken door-to-door in his hometown of Corbin, Kentucky, and ultimately became the king of Kentucky Fried Chicken Empire. Now, that's what you call putting the past behind you. That's called putting yesterday's depressing circumstances behind you. And that's why we've got KFC on every continent in the world today, because one man refused to live in all of yesterday's no. And he got it going at 65. So what's your problem? Come on, I'm still going at 71. Don't you hold back on me. Saddle up. Let's ride. Catch that wave. We got business to do. We've got a church to build. We've got a future to perform and plenty of lives to be transformed and affected. You're not finished yet. I love that. Nobody told me that growing up. Now, let me give you some instructions on how to handle your negative past or how to handle offenses or failure from your past that can hurt your future. Number one, don't curse it. Number two, don't rehearse it. Number three, don't nurse it. And number four, reverse it. Let's take a look at them. First, don't curse it. What does it mean to curse? In the Bible, that is not cussing. To curse means to call evil down or injury on somebody. That's what cursing means. When we curse something, we create a cycle that never ends. Uh, by our actions, we release our anger, and then we give someone else a reason to vent and release their anger, and we perpetuate a cycle just like the Hatfields and McCoys that goes on for generations. When we retaliate, when we try to get the score even, the cycle never stops. 
Some of you today still have get even in your spirit, and you need as a believer to get it out. That is not going to sail in the kingdom of God. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, God says. Don't you believe the heavenly Father knows how to get even better than you? And God says, trust me, let it go. It's going to hurt you, it's not going to hurt them. And so don't curse this thing. You can forgive and forget the thing. You know, it's not, a, it's not an emotion, it's a choice. So when you get hurt and you suffer in some pain for what the consequences of they did for you, and you want to see them hurt, and you want to see them suffer, God says, get that out of you. On the cross, our Savior said about people who put Him on that cross, Father, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. A lot of people that hurt you or betrayed you don't have a clue they were agents of Satan. They really don't know. They really don't. I mean, it's just really dumb. They really think they're doing God a favor. They don't know. If you know better, then it's incumbent on you to forgive more. You've got more knowledge, more wisdom. You've got understanding. They don't. They just stay religiously dumb. Fine. You know that God… God will protect you and preserve you, and that no one can destroy you without God's permission. And if God chose you and God sets you, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. It can hurt you, it can delay you, but it can't stop you. You're still going, like that ever-ready battery bunny. Just, just keep going. It's, it's kind of neat to know that. Some of you think they actually have the power to stop you. Nobody has that power but God. So when you curse, when you retaliate, you perpetuate injustice. And the cycle just never ends. So, ask yourself this question if you're a believer. Why can't this end with me? Why can't it stop here? This is what Christ died for. He became a curse to remove the curse that we might inherit a blessing. So, why can't I just take the shot, take the hit, cleanse it out of my system, purify my spirit so the next generation doesn't have to have transcending iniquity on its life? I don't want to pass anything on to my kids that's a curse. I want to pass a blessing on to them. So I'm not going to let my parents' behavior or disobedience or whether they love me or didn't love me, whether they were married or not married, I'm not going to live justifying my bad actions in my marriage, be transformed to my children. I'm redeemed from the curse, and when I became a Christian, the curse stops here, and all I'm going to pass on to my kids is a happy marriage, a can-do attitude, and, and, a, and the favor of God. How about passing on something besides something that sucks to your kids? Get rid of that nasty get-even attitude. You're a believer and you have the power to forgive. We justify being mad, bitter, angry by what our parents did or what they didn't do for us or injustice done to us by someone, and it's real injustice. So we justify our hatred, our bigotry, our feelings and pain. But that's why Christ came, to redeem us from the curse to heal the brokenhearted. In Christ, I have the power to absorb it, to take it, to be healed from it, so that that injustice doesn't have to be perpetuated in my life. Jesus would never have preached, love your enemy, do good to those who hurt you, repay good for evil, if He didn't enable you and I to do it. If He said, you can do it, I demand that you do it, then by golly, you can do it. The truth is, you don't want to do it. You'd rather suck on that anger and bitterness than let it go and stay stuck in life instead of embracing a great future. 
We need to learn to see negative experiences in our past as an opportunity for something positive in our future. Listen to James chapter 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. I'm like you, I'm reading that and I'm thinking, this guy's smoking dope. <laughs> because that's just not how we see it in the natural. But God's, God's speaking through James. Whenever trouble comes your way, and it's going to come to everybody, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you're going to be strong in character and ready for anything. See, how do you get strong? How do you get strength to go through tragedy? People like that have a horrible past of a lot of pain. They bear scars in their body. They've had all kinds of injustice done to them, but they haven't been defeated by it. And it just makes them really resilient and tough, and that's how you get muscle. You can't get muscle with two electric batteries strapped on your belly while you eat nachos. You can't. I know the company gets rich. The ab whatever with two D batteries in it and it vibrates your skin. It doesn't do it. You got to go in and crunch, and you got to go in and, and press, and the next day it's going to hurt. You don't want to get out of bed. Stuff you didn't know you had in your body hurts. That's how you build muscle. And God turns our pain into gain. I'm going to get wisdom. I'm going to be smarter. Plus, I'll be able to help somebody else who's going through it, who's feeling despondency, despair, discouragement. I can encourage them. God said, I'm the God of all hope. He tells us that in Corinthians 1. And He says, now you encourage those because I've encouraged you and helped you. Now you encourage other people. So we ought to be a place not passing on bigotry, racism, or hate. We ought to be passing on the power to overcome to people going through it and say, it's going to be all right. I talked to a GI who, who was a courier in World War II, uh, and General Patton was the commander, and he was told to take a message up to the general under a barrage of gunfire, and he handed the message to Patton, and he said, Patton looked at him and said, you're scared, aren't you? And he said, yes, I am, sir. And Patton said, I am too, but it's going to be all right. I love that. I am too, but it's going to be all right. I've had bad news come, but I told my wife many times, it'll be all right. I actually believe that. Well, I'm still here. Shoot, I'm telling the truth. It'll be all right. Say, it's all right. Whoa, it's all right. That was the impressions, by the way. All right. So don't curse it. Count it all joy. God's got something in mind in this if He's allowed it. But I can reverse it. It can be. It, I can become mature. I can become stronger. I can become wiser. And Bible says, lacking nothing, strong in character, and ready for anything. Secondly, don't rehearse it. Don't stay too long mentally and emotionally at a place of pain. Don't allow something that's happened in the past to continually dominate your thoughts and mind. God allowed Israel to mourn only 30 days for the great leader Moses. And the Bible says he was one of the greatest men in the earth. And God only gave Israel a statute of limitations. 30 days. Then get rid of your black cloth and Kleenex. Stop it. I'm going to give you 30. It's proper to mourn. It is proper to have some sorrow. 
but there must be a statute of limitation on your pain. It is not to be eternal, especially if you're a believer. My friend Bishop Joseph Garlington is a noted African-American bishop. He's preached for us in the past years on our old location. He preaches all over the world. He pastors in Pittsburgh. And I remember him saying, if one more white man repents to me, I'm going to slap him. <laughs> Joseph was saying, I'm not staying there in the past. I don't want to rehearse that anymore. I want to move on. And I'm not holding you responsible for the sin of another generation or other people. See, releasing or rehearsing an injustice won't reverse it. Talking forever about it, living it over and over again won't change it. Paul in the New Testament says in Philippians 3 verse 13, forgetting those things that are behind. So if you don't want your past to hurt your future, you've got to be willing to move on. Forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forward for the things ahead. That's interesting. You know, if you're Jewish, everybody doesn't think you crucified Christ, or that you're going to take over the world and all of our banks. How many of you have heard that? I don't think every Jewish person I meet has that thought. Our mindset. But if you're not careful, there are people who will perpetuate that bigotry and anti-Semitism. Martin Luther King said, don't judge me by the color of my skin or my nationality, but by the character and content of my heart. You know, if you're German, I don't count you to be a Nazi. I don't hold you responsible for Adolf Hitler. You weren't even born, or you were a baby. I'm not going to hold that against you for the atrocities that occurred then, and then judge everybody from Germany to be anti-Semitic or to be a terrorist of some kind. That's not right. That's not fair. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a white guy, and if you're African-American, please realize I'm not the man that hurt your ancestors. I, I won't tolerate known bigotry or racism. And I hope you'll see on our platform, on our elder board, on our staff, all over this place, the multi-ethnic nationality and race of beautiful people who are doing the job. And they're from every race and background and culture, high income, low income, minority backgrounds. We don't look at you by a color. You know, we figure if you're stupid, it doesn't matter what race you are. And if you're smart, I don't care what race you are. I want to learn from you. I want, to be on, I want you to be on the team. I'm, I'm just very serious. Every black man, some of you white people, isn't going to steal your car. You got to stop that. And so, I, I, th what's happening here? Somebody had a bad occurrence and then judged everybody for, well, you can't trust a man. That's because you got hurt by a man. Now you're going to throw all men into that pile. Wrong. There's plenty of men you can trust, and plenty of men that love you for who you are and won't betray you and can be faithful to you, and there are plenty of women the same way. But you make a judgment like that over a past pain, and it's really going to screw up your future and your relationships, and you're going to regret it. There are bad apples in every race, in every nationality, and in every gender. Just don't be one of them. That's all. See, all of us have pain we can go back to, but the more you rehearse your past, the more you hurt your future. Some people's entire identity is wrapped up in hanging on to something in the past. But it's time to break camp and advance. So don't 
rehearse it anymore. Shut your mouth, get off that track, and if you don't, well, your past is going to limit or destroy your future. Number three, don't nurse it. The human emotion is a lot like the human body in the sense that it has a God-given ability to heal itself. But if you nurse an injustice or an offense through, what would I say, excessive attention, you're going to build a case for why you can't function normally, why you can't do what is right, why you can't be healthy. And even if you get prayer, you leave the prayer session still nursing it. Here's a good illustration. Try that with a physical injury. The doctor takes your injury, puts stitches in it, bandages the wound, you go home, you cut the stitches, you pull off the bandage, you reopen the wound, you look at it, you mess with it, then you call the doctor and say, it's not healing. Well, it can't heal. You keep opening it. You keep nursing it. Don't wallow in self-pity or you'll build a case like a trial lawyer on why you can't be well and strong and secure, why you can't be healthy or why you can't behave or be good. Negative experiences become the excuses of why we can't do the right thing, why we can't walk in the principles, well, my parents were divorced and, well, I was abused by my uncle and that's why I have to be a pimp or a drug addict. No, it isn't. That's the excuse you use. God gives you the power to choose anything you want. I am not a puppy dog. I'm not a raccoon. I'm not an armadillo. I got the power to choose how I'm going to respond to every situation. And I don't go back to how bad my parents were or how many divorces they had or how many relatives raised me. I decided to set my own course, make my own choices, and that's all I'm responsible for. And I have. And I don't even think about it. I don't go back there. If you were to ask me, I can tell you, but I don't think about it, dwell on it, bring it up, and tell Cindy how unwanted I was. I didn't have a nice home. I just kept thinking, by golly, I will have one. You people want to live in this pigsty? God bless you. I don't. I'm going to make choices you refuse to make. I'm going to have a life you refuse to have. I'm going to have a good future because I'm going to make the choices to get me there. And I'm going to hang out with the people who will help me get there. And I have. This is who I am. Negative experiences become the excuses on why you can't do the right thing. God made you much more resilient than you think. But you've got to stop nursing the past. Here's a simple little illustration. I hope it doesn't offend you. Get rid of old pictures gift. Well, he gave me this diamond ring, and every time I look at it, but he left me for another woman, and he called off the marriage. Okay. It might be the best thing that ever happened. But if that diamond ring is a source of pain to you, sell it. Get a dog. Get something cuddly. Or go buy some furniture. Or Throw it away. If it be, now, if you are, if you're tough, if you're tough stuff, it's just a rock. Put it in a new set. Put it on another finger, and you got a little jewelry there. But if it's a source of pain, get rid of it. And don't harbor old pictures of your old boyfriend or your ex-mate. They've left you. They're gone. They're enjoying their life. You're sitting over here sobbing over all these pictures and memory. Get rid of them. Now, if it's a good memory, leave it. 
But if it's a bad memory, I'm telling you, get it out of the house. If it's a gift, get rid of it. If you don't love me and gave me something claiming to love me, that thing reminds me of it, it's gone. It's out of here. I'm going to repaint the room, change the furniture, get rid of the pictures or the gift. I'm going to get rid of what reminds me of what hurt me so bad. You remember in Forrest Gump, he took that tractor and he tore down that house that had caused Jenny so much pain. Surely I'm not that old where you didn't see Forrest Gump. (laughs) Well, that's what God wants you to do. Tear down that source of pain. I'm not going to sing it. My wife told me I could not after last night. But in 1970, one of my One of my all-time favorite singers is Aretha Franklin. And Aretha Franklin was raised in church. Her father was a preacher. And that woman can sing like no woman alive can sing. But in 1970, she wrote a song that featured a heartbreak she had had when she was 16 or 17 years old. And I'm going to urge you, if you think I'm lying, some of you young people, go to YouTube and Google Aretha Franklin. Don't play that song for me. It brings back the memories of the days that I spent with you. And I want to sing it so bad. No, don't let it happen. It fills my heart with pain. You said, I'll go with you, darling. Then she closes it. You lied, you lied, you lied, 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 lied. Don't play that song for me. That's all I'm going to do. But it's a real good illustration. If, if that CD was something that reminds you of the next flame or mate or whatever, dump it. Don't play it anymore. Go to your phone. Delete the pictures. Delete the number. I don't have any memory. People that leave my life, leave my phone, leave my memory. Delete, delete, delete. Move on. God's got great people for you. That just means they're not qualified for the future that He has for you. Accept that God loves you. Accept that He knows best. Accept that He can make everything work for your good and that nobody can stop that. And you, sometimes, even in the pain and even when you're a bit afraid, I, I was asked, how do, you, how do you overcome fear? And I said, I don't think I do. I, I don't think you wait till you're brave and then you act. I said, I think you just act afraid. You just do it because it's right to do it, or it's something that you want to do and feel that it should be, and you forget about the fear. You just do it anyway. I don't wait till I feel brave to do something that I'm supposed to do. I just do it. And most people I talk to that are honest say the same thing. So, do you have fear? Everybody has fear. The Navy SEAL guys told me the same thing. They got the same fear. They just do it afraid. You just learn to channel that into energy. Be sharp, alert, and vigilant. And bring all that testosterone and that adrenaline to bear on getting the enemy. And so I'm just saying to you, you don't don't fold up like a cheap sweater or an accordion and quit. Everybody has fear, but you have to do it. Well, I don't know. I haven't ever been alone before. Well, you're going to find out. God God will be a husband to you. God will never leave you or forsake you. He'll be present. He'll bring people to your life in a period of time. And it won't be long. You forget the pain that you had. You forget uh, the loneliness that you had. And it might be good to know that people fail you, but God will never fail you. He'll, be, he'll, he'll take care of you. It's going to be okay. As General Patton, the great theologian, said, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You're going to get through the surgery. Things are going to be okay. It's not going to affect a relationship. Not the right one. It won't. Keep your head in the game. But, but get rid of anything that's bringing you pain. Uh, you know, uh, 
Last night, Percy and Danelle were here, and they had to bury their daughter. How sad, fighting cancer, put up a great fight, but it wasn't to be, and God took her on home to heaven. Beautiful gal. And can you imagine the pain of having to bury your child? It's like, my child should bury me. I shouldn't be burying my child. But if you'll notice, they serve, they give, they tithe, they're always happy, they meet people, they greet people, they do the marriage uh, class, uh, MMI, or no, I the three R's or something. Legacy of life. My wife will tell me. I don't know. But, but I know that, I know that they, they had their session of tears and sorrow, but great memories. They know they'll see their daughter again. We don't sorrow as those that have no hope. We have hope. We have hope. I'll see you again. It's just a brief departure for a short period of time. So they didn't fold up. That, that confidence and courage over a period of time didn't make them bitter, didn't make them, they didn't go back in withdraw, they didn't drop out of church, they didn't become bitter people. They're beautiful people. They've made them soft, gentle, tender, and they still love people. It just proves you can go on. Don't talk to people that hadn't been through stuff. Talk to people that have been through stuff. Talk to people that have been through a bad marriage, or people that have lost a child, or people who have had cancer, and, or people who have been hurt in combat as an amputee. You just can find encouragement everywhere if you'll simply look for it. So quit cursing it, quit rehearsing it, quit nursing it, and the day you do it, a brand new day will dawn on your life. Last, reverse it. Reverse it. Turning it around within us. It only takes one grain of sand to get inside an oyster to aggravate that tender membrane of an oyster. But that oyster will release a milky chemical around that piece of negativity, that piece of sand. And that's where the valuable pearl comes from. Something bad being turned into something good. We've all got bad experiences in our past. But how good would it be if you could just make up your mind, you're not going to let that piece of sand or negativity ruin your life. You're going to turn it into triumph. Je Je Joseph did it. How many of you would agree he had a bad past? I mean, to say the least, kidnapped, sold as a slave, falsely accused of rape, imprisoned unjustly. And when it was all said and done, here was his comment to his brothers who did it in Genesis 50. As far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to the high position I have today so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph knew that the key to end this season of hardship, that God had the ability to reverse his negative past, and he summarized it at the end with something good. God is going to work something good out of this thing. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe your marriage didn't work out. Maybe you had a promising career and the job was lost. Maybe you became pregnant out of wedlock and had a child. If you'll allow God, He can reverse this negative past, reverse the curse, and turn it into the best days of your life. No matter what happens to me at the conclusion, God has a plan for good. Listen to Romans 8, 28, last verse. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. God says He will work everything for good to those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. He did not say everything is good. He just says, I will work everything for your good that are called according to my purpose. Now, you know what? That's not a feeling, folks. I, on a bad day, I have to believe that's true and walk by faith. 
I'm not any different than you. It's not something natural. It's not something that's logical. It's something that I believe because I believe God. I believe His Word. He says, trust me, you're going to walk by faith through this. At the end of this deal, you're going to look back and say, wow, now I see what God had in mind through this. Disabled vets are able to encourage other disabled vets who, who contemplate suicide, who are think, who wives divorce them after they've lost legs and arms. Can you just imagine as a young, sterile young man, of, you're, you're full of life, and then all of a sudden you come back and you're, you're severely handicapped, and maybe you're burned, and a wife or people don't know you, don't, don't want to be around you. you, you frighten them or scare them. Well, who best could comfort someone like that than another fellow who's been hurt or burned or amputee to show how he He's made it in life, succeeded, and now his life counts for good, given his testimony around the country, helping other vets out of their deep depression because he's been there and done it and overcome. And we've got a couple of those guys in our church who do just that, who were injured and, you know, lost their legs in an IED explosion. Mothers against drunk driver. Here's a woman who lost a 16-year-old daughter to a drunk driver. She could have gone into therapy. She could have lived in anger. She could have been somebody bitter. And yet, she turned that pain into a movement that changed laws and brought focus on drunk drivers, and she comforted the families of those who had suffered what she did. And as a result of her giving, she became well and healthy emotionally, and now God's doing something great and has been for a long, long time, changing the laws of a nation out of one little housewife who burned with her anger and sadness in the senseless loss of a child. God's up to something good in your life. It wasn't good. He will work it for your good and for His glory, right? So, allow God to reverse this thing. Let God turn your setback into a comeback. Life has sorrow. Life has pain. Life has things none of us can change, and life has no rewind button. But I can decide how it's going to affect me. And we can make up our mind, it will not destroy me. It will not dictate the outcome of my life. I have the power and choice to bounce back or drop dead. And that choice is mine. So bounce back, break camp, and advance. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Jesus. For more information on Summit Christian Center and Rick Godwin, visit SummitSA.com and connect with us on social media.